Hello, Kevin. Awesome. You guys are nerds. Damn right. Oh, Kevin, you're so witty. I would stab someone in the face. Oh, that's gross. I'm cutting this, by the way. Bad Philosophy, episode 105, recorded on October 20th, 2011. Down with the worm helps. Hello, everyone. Welcome and one to Bad Philosophy, episode 105. Yeah, Kevin is trying to do it on his hands, but uh, failing just a little bit. Uh, it's, well, welcome, so, everyone, too. I'll, I'll do it in sign language. One. Well, yeah, yeah okay, if you're doing accurate C. sign uh, ASL, I'm, sure, I'm yes. I'm just whatever. making crap up as I go along. <laughs> Aren't we all? Um, welcome back to, uh, to Bad Philosophy. We can all tell that, Kevin. <laughs> uh, I am your host, Stephen Torrance, as always. Uh, with me, my, my partner in crime, uh, Kevin Saunders. And uh, joining us via Skype to uh, to talk about some of the uh, the the protest going on recently, the uh, the the rabble rousing of the United States, the uh, uh, Arab Spring of the Northeast, as it were, is uh, Kiki Cannon. Welcome back, Kiki. Coming live to you from a TV set in Austin, Texas, there. <laughs> Something like that. Um, I apologize right now to our, our live viewers. Uh, you may not be able to hear Kiki too well. Uh, we're still fi- figuring out the audio configuration for this new setup. It's it's kind of crazy and doesn't always work exactly the way it should. But for the most part, we, we make it happen. Um, so Wait, wait, wait. When, when has it exactly worked the way it should? <laughs> somewhere back around episode 35, I think. I don't know. <laughs> what? I don't know. We what scan I... the archives and see which one that, did so use. We finally did it. Yeah. Well, and then so followed by according to our our, our currently one uh, other person in the chat room right now, uh, Aut Music Freak, uh, or maybe it's just AUT Music Freak. Uh, he, we can hear Kiki well enough on the live stream, which is great. So uh, for those of you watching, which by our count are uh, four people uh, right now. <laughs> Yay! Uh, I think that's one more than last show? We've hit some big like time. That. I don't um, remember. Welcome, welcome to the show and, and glad you can hear her. Uh, so we'll just kind of jump right into the, uh, to the topic of the day. Um, and and I'm, I was really kind of <laughs> fearing that by the time we actually got around to talking about it on Bad Philosophy, it would be over. Uh, but Occupy Wall Street is uh, still going on, uh, now in its fifth week, if I recall correctly, uh, according to the Wikipedia timeline, um, there are still yes. a bunch of, um, you know, a diverse group of hooligans and rational individuals uh, kind of all mixed together, uh, tenting, oh no, not tenting, but camping in sleeping bags, um, you know, defecating in local uh, McDonald's, uh, <laughs> you know, just basically uh, living uh, in a uh, in a park near Wall Street, uh, New York City, um, because of uh, a little bit of unrest that's that's come up spontaneously here in the fall of two thousand. Well, to be fair, it's been building for the last three. Twenty eleven. Oh God. Oh God. I just said two thousand eleven. You have to put a dollar in the year jar. Uh, you have to finish your beer. <laughs> I drink our beer. Speaking of beer, uh, first rabbit trail of the day, uh, or second or third, I don't even know. Uh, we're drinking... Did we start the episode yet? Yeah, we, we started it. We... Okay, so it's at least the first. At least the first. <laughs> we're drinking uh, Shiner Hefeweizen. Uh, no, wait. I need Hefeweizen. To, I, need to, uh, I need to sound more German when I say that. Hefeweizen! There's a cat on your fridge who's uh, freaking out. From the Spitzer Brewery in... Uh, 
Shiner, Texas. Spotzel. Which, Say it like you're in Texas. In the, from the Spotzel Brewery in Shiner, Texas. Uh, it's very, well, it's, it's billed as a wheat ale brewed with orange and lemon peels with honey added. Yeah, it's I, really good. I consider it um, um, the Shiner equivalent of Blue Moon. It is. It's definitely a, it's definitely a wheat beer. Um, Blue Moon has a similar sort of orange taste. It's often served with an orange. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely got that Shiner bite to it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, no, it's, 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 I would say maybe a little bit darker. I'm not, I can't look at it in the, in the glass bottle. Yeah. But it tastes a little bit darker than a Blue Moon. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's definitely not quite as light and, and airy, yeah. But it's it's delicious and um, you know highly recommended. Uh, if Please you can, sponsor us. If you can buy Shiner, I, I mean, there aren't many places I in the United States. I found it in Ohio. Where, you did find it. I found it fairly consistent. They only had uh, Shiner just, Bach and Shiner Blonde, though. You can't just go into a Chili's in Ohio and say, I want a Shiner, and have them serve it. Like Ironically, there was a bar in... Actually, they'll punch you. Mm. Yeah. Um, there was a bar in... Uh, where did I live for the last two years? Oxford. Oxford. <laughs> um, that had three beers on tap. Whoa. And one of them was Shiner Bach. Whoa. So a Texan started it then. I don't know, but I was really <laughs> excited when I found out. Because they also had $5 liter nights. Oh. So when they said lederhosen, they meant <laughs> with a T. I mean, it was, it was <clears> a, <throat> a mug of beer. Of beer. Uh. And for 10 bucks. I didn't need any more beer. Um, so, speaking of not needing any more, uh, the top 1% of uh, people in the United States, uh, according to the Occupy Wall Street's uh, folk, uh, control somewhere between 20 and 25% of the nation's wealth. And this is a bad thing. Uh, bad enough that thousands of people uh, have decided to march on Wall Street and stay there in order to get the rest of the nation, including us here at Bad Philosophy, to start talking about it. I guess um, it worked. We're done. Yeah, so <laughs> mission accomplished, 99%. Good job. Here's to you. Drink. Mm. But, um, you know, this, this movement has, has sparked more than a conversation just about uh, wage and, and um, you know, income inequality in the United States. It's, it sparked a debate about jobs, about, um, uh, you know, the right to protest, uh, at the very least, uh, about, you know, control in, in the, uh, the group of the, the protesters. So there are a few, thing, few kind of angles that I want to go through today. Um, but first, I want to get kind of an on-the-ground perspective. Um, Kiki, you recently went to occupy, what, Savannah? Savannah, Georgia, yeah. Okay, so tell us a little bit about that. What was that like? Uh, I'm not sure how indicative it is to all of the movements. But there was somewhere, I, w- I would estimate somewhere between 100 and 125 people all day the day I went. Okay, so uh, not too many. Which I guess is an okay turnout for Savannah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and what, what was it like? I mean, was, um, it, was it a bunch of people, you know, getting up and speaking? Were there, were there interesting signs? Was there, was there chanting? Was there marching? Did the cops bust it up? Like, what, did anything interesting happen at, at your little <laughs> tendril of this global protest? Well, amazingly, the cops told us when we got our permit that as long as they got no complaints from anyone of illegal activity, they weren't even going to bother to send a cop out there to watch over us. Hmm. So the most interaction we had with cops, and it's still holding, they're still going, uh, is that cops will occasionally drive by on their regular patrol and hawk their support. 
Yeah. <laughs> so well, they're basically the opposite of so the New York very cops. different scene. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> were, they, were they handing out pepper um, spray but, so that people could defend themselves? Like, <laughs> I'm trying to think of, of just how much more opposite <laughs> they could get. Were, were, were the cops, uh, like, helping to clean up the, um, the, the unsanitary conditions around the, <laughs> the protest? Um, <laughs> were, were people... Well, the day I went was the first day... There had been no camping yet, and it was literally just right from the word go. Okay. Um, it was kind of split. Most of the day was split, spent standing on the street nearest the park, facing the traffic and holding up signs and occasionally chanting. Um, and then we would occasionally take breaks to have our general assemblies in which we'd just stand around in a circle and... Whoever wanted to talk would talk. Hmm. That sounds like about how it went down here in Austin. Um, I did not personally go to Occupy Austin, but um, I, I did hear secondhand from someone who did go that it was, uh, you know, about a thousand people maybe uh, who marched on Town Hall and, um, you know, decided to, they basically marched, you know, they had the signs, a lot of similar sentiments to Occupy Wall Street, you know, we are the 99%, uh, you know, hold the bankers accountable, all this sort of stuff. And then when they got to City Hall, they had kind of an, an open mic uh, where just anybody, and, and literally anybody, could uh, go up and you know, speak their their mind about whatever, <laughs> um, and this this ended up getting rather awkward a few times apparently because you know when when you get when you get an open microphone the thing about free speech it, is everybody gets to use it yeah which is you know and and not and while the speech may be free it's not always you know informed uh, rational even uh, so that according well, to I this, think, if, if we're going to talk about it, I think that's the important thing about free speech is oh, totally. even yeah. the ill-informed, irrational people get it. But, yeah, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm totally okay with that. Present but, company included. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, I, I guess my point is... It, it seems kind of ironic that, you know, you get all these people together, it's, you know, the whole point of, of a protest, right, or a rally or a march, is to get a bunch of people together to change something that they all don't like, right? Or to, to make yeah. an opinion heard. But one problem that a lot of people have been bringing up with both the Occupy Wall Street protests and with a lot of, you know, their their pro, the Occupy protests throughout the world is there's not really a unifying message. It's just sort of become a vehicle for anyone who feels, you know, angry or uh, disassociated or disillusioned with, with America can go up and, and just, you know, say whatever. Um, it's become a vehicle for them to express their, their opinions. And, and this doesn't really move the conversation forward. It just says, you know, we're angry about a bunch of different things, and look how angry we are together. Angry, 99%, you know. Um, and it's one of the reasons why I, I've chosen not to participate yet. Now, you, Kiki, why did you choose to participate in these protests? What was your goal in doing so? Uh, well, I think it's a bit disingenuous to say that the protesters don't have kind of cohesive demands that are at the top. Um, 
yeah, it's true that a lot of people show up and say, oh, and also I want every Friday to be t-shirt day, but it's not really indicative of over. Somebody went on the 99% Tumblr blog and parsed all the stories being shared there. And they created a, a word cloud, basically, to see what the most often mentioned things were. And the most often mentioned things that correlated to specific demands uh, boiled down to three things. Universal healthcare, equal access to higher education for everyone without having to go into severe debt to pay for it. And the third was making sure everyone gets a minimum living wage that actually reflects the the situation on the ground. Okay. Well, I don't know where you're seeing this, and but I that's that's very different that. from, from what I've found elsewhere. That's what I've, I was going to say the same yeah. thing. That's, that's I, very I, different from what I've felt the reaction at Occupy Wall Street has been and why they were choosing Wall Street particularly right. with these protests. So I th- I, you know, I'm pretty sure the, the whole point well, of it, if there was a point to begin with, was, and, and this, this is coming from the Wikipedia summary, um, mainly protesting social and economic inequality, corporate greed, and the power and influence of corporations, particularly from the financial sector, uh, including lobbyists. Um, I think you know if there's any if there's I, any I was, one more one priority for Occupy Wall Street, it's uh, down with the the greedy banking system that has corrupted the country and caused all of these other problems, like the fact that there's not equal access to education, like the fact that we don't have universal health care, et cetera, et cetera. So it, you know, yeah. it seems like if if anybody were to rally around any slogan for Occupy Wall Street, it would be that. But certainly, you know. I think it's your your point speaks volumes that you can talk to a large number of people who are protesting in these rallies and come up with that list, and then you can go talk to another large group of people and come up with a completely different list. I mean, it's it's basically every grievance that the American people have right now embodied in one group, <laughs> and and that's a problem. I think <laughs> like and 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 not not in that it's. It's bad that people are going and doing this, but you can't all shout at once and expect to be heard on any one particular issue. You know, you've got to shout with one voice. That's why, you know, the the successful movements are the ones that have a leader. Occupy Wall Street is a leaderless movement right now. Intentionally so, though. Yeah, but... I mean, that's, that was uh, their goal. You, you know, okay, Kevin, what, what do you think of that? I mean, as, um, a, as a leader, can a movement truly be leaderless and still get something done? Well, in the sense that anything can be done... Well, here's, here's the thing about protests. We'll just start with that. Mm-hmm. And I, rather than a leaderless movement, let's look at protests itself. Protests are at best... Maybe not the best. The best, depending on your, your concept. Or at worst, a nuisance. To whom? That's just it. <laughs> the, the people that they are protesting against, these, these Wall Street fat cats, to be hyperbolic, uh-huh. are still doing everything that they've done since the protests started. Pretty much. I mean, the, the only people to whom they've been a true nuisance are the people who live around uh, Zuccotti <laughs> Park or whatever yeah. it is. Uh, and and the New York, and the cops and the New York City Police Department, um, <laughs> and and that's the sort of thing is I mean particularly when you know this is this is the Occupy Wall Street rally or protest, and it's not actually anywhere near Wall Street. Mm. It's in I a mean, park 
a few blocks away. Yeah. You, if you're on Wall Street, you can't see the protest. Right. And you kind of want to go, well, that's not really occupying. <laughs> um, but that being said, um, they... Okay, Kevin. Yeah? Do you think it would be any more effective if they were surrounding one CEO's house or something and blocking that one dude's access to get in and out of his house? I don't think it would be any more symbolic than saying, hi, here's kind of the center of the this corporate structure... And or near enough to it as we can get legally, which is fine. Um, but I think that I think that the point of that is a symbology. Well, I don't I, think we're at the end of a movement now, and I think it's wrong to judge people getting angry over racism to eventual stuff that's passed to end those inequalities. But here, here's we're the at thing. the beginning of people just waking up and saying, "Hi, this isn't fair." And we still have time to get to that other thing. I don't think anybody in the movement thought it was going to end within a month or two. Well, I don't, I don't expect it to end. That's not the thing. And, and I agree on certain aspects of this. I think the fact that an election is won with, by the person with the most money is a problem. I, I'm all yeah. about that. And oh. the way you get that oh, money yeah, is yeah. through corporate donations. Yeah, yeah. Um, because they're the ones with all the money. Corporations have lots of money, so they don't donate it, and that's that affects both sides of the aisle. Everywhere, whoever has the most money is more likely to win, and, and that's been true for at least twenty, thirty years. At least, I mean, um, I mean, although I think it's gotten worse recently. over time. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and, and, and I agree with him, but I, I'm, I'm also <laughs> saying that I don't know. Protesting is symbolic, and that's useful, but I don't know. The, the thing we have to do is, is something else, and I'm not right. sure what that is. Well, uh, I mean, an and op music freak certainly agrees. Um, you know, coming from the chat room, the problem, the problem, <laughs> the problem is, t- sorry, I, re- I apologize right now. That's but offensive. Don't do that. right there. Um, the problem is that, that protests are not that effective anymore, that, or any more than they used to be. Um, now they're more likely a tiny uh, itch that you can ignore without a problem. And, and that, I think that's really just what this is. It's an itch. You know that that most of the that, that corporate American knows will just kind of get scratched or go away eventually if they ignore it, um, and and I think that's completely true. Uh, you know, as as sad as it is, I think this is we're past the point where a physical gathering of people can actually affect change in the way that they they think it can, or that in yeah. the way that it's well, used and, to be. And able we've to. we've limited the right. To free assembly. Oh, yeah. Bloomberg was like, you know, I definitely support these people protesting, and we're going to give them a place to do that. And I'm Way like, over there. What? But, but, I mean, but that's just it, is, is that when you've got, um, and, and this happened years and years ago, and I don't know case law or anything, but the idea of free speech zones on campus were a big oh, deal, yeah. particularly in that. the 70s. And that's... Oh, that's so horrible. Well, that's... But... but the people of the Occupy protests have to get permits for their protest. Yeah. And they're told they have to be in this area, and they can't express their freedom of speech over in this area. Right. One, one interesting um, consequence of that, they have to get a permit to have a, any sound systems, any sound amplification, right? So what they've been doing is, uh, and this is really weird, they, they've created this thing called a human microphone, 
where somebody in the middle of a, of a group who's, who's addressing the group um, shouts what they want to say. Then the people around them re-shout it kind of in unison, and then the people around them re-shout it in unison out outward. I like that ingenuity, yes. Yeah, it, and it's, it sort of works pretty well, but it, it's, it's, a, it's very awkward. And people have said it's, um, it's exhilarating and silly at the same time. Yes, I'm sure it is. Um, and that's... And so, and but here's here's one thing that I think people don't actually think about in terms of this, but I kind of do with my linguistics background, is that when you have one speaker, they can be kind of charismatic and say a lot of crap that doesn't make any rational sense, and people go, oh, that sounds good because he sounds good saying it, or she, whatever. Oh, well, that's just public speaking. <laughs> one of the... It is. And, and that's true. But I think one of the interesting things about the human mind is that most of the crowd only hears these speeches via kind of these enthusiastic but emotionally neutral voices. So what they hear is simply the words being said and not the way they're being said. Which in some way kind of strips it down to uh, almost reading it in a way. Yeah, and I mean... And it kind of breaks that... Well, I like him because he seems likable. And you can kind of focus on the... I like this based on the merits of what they're actually saying. Um, and also it kind of comes a lot of obfuscation in speech because you can't talk in circles, you have to talk short Twitter bursts almost and get to your point very quickly. Yeah, I mean, that is that is kind of the nature of protest entirely, is you, you have to condense your message down to something that fits on a sign, you know, and, and that, that sign has to, you know, point to a larger issue or a larger statement. Like, I, you know, I think we are Get the 90- Vietnam. Yeah, I mean, and I think we are the 99% is good in that regard. As, as protest slogans go... It's it raises you know questions for people. What is what does it mean? What does ninety nine percent mean? Oh, ninety nine percent of people control seventy five percent of the nation's wealth. You know, it's it talk, you talk about the way you immediately get to the wage inequality question, yeah. which leads to everything else. So I think whoever came up with that was was brilliant. Um, <laughs> one ironic thing though that I saw <laughs> when when researching this episode though was. Uh, the the one percent that that control the the top twenty percent or whatever of the wealth starts at about an income of, of roughly six hundred thousand dollars a year. I thought it was closer to three hundred thousand. Uh, I saw five hundred ninety thousand was was the okay. figure in in this six but figures, high six figures, high six figures. Most of the uh, bankers and and financiers whom they're protesting against actually fall under that that annual income. And so, within the ninety nine percent. So, yeah. I think it would be really funny no, if, if no, like, no. a Wall Street banker came up to the protest and was just like, "I'm in the ninety nine percent. What? <laughs> I'm part of this too, you know?" Because it truly, I mean, that it's true. It, it just it's a convenient figure because it, it gets a it, you have to cut it off somewhere, obviously. But you know, a lot of the people who do the day to day work involved in running these financial systems would fall within the same financial category that these protesters yeah. are, are well, I, I do think under. I think it's yeah. an oversimplification and, and know, there's 
been the the fifty three percent movement or fifty seven percent, yeah, which is which is sort of the the people who pay taxes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and it's one of those that I I think they're they're reacting certainly to that oversimplification of the ninety nine percent, right, right, because um, okay, I I'm in the forty seven percent then I do not pay an annual income tax, however, yeah, I mean if you're below. I guess I didn't either last year. So that's I mean, right. I, as a student, I didn't pay any. No, I mean, I, I definitely, I did, I was owed money by the government. Yeah. Um, and as a result, I, you know, but but I pay other taxes. I pay the Texas sales tax, mm-hmm. you know, or other state sales taxes when I do online orders. Um, you know, so I have other ways of of you know paying my taxes to the government or whatever. But yes, yeah. I don't, I do not pay federal income tax yeah. right now. I don't like. You're going to make a point, so I'll let you finish that, but I've got a well, thought. So, it's, you know, I, I resent people going, oh, well, if you're not paying taxes, then you're not a citizen. And I'm like, well, sorry, you know, I, I disagree with that. That, like, okay, I may not be in as good a shape right now, but other people are, and they are paying federal income taxes. So I'm okay with that. And, you know, and, and, and also, another, it, it speaks to the point, too, that a lot of folks think most of the people in these Occupy Wall Street protests are unemployed. The true figure is about 15%. Most of the people at Occupy Wall Street are employed, so it's not you know Herman Cain's arguments that all oh, these people just need to get a job. You know they're completely bunk, and and I like that. I, mean, I like that employed people are fighting back against against this sort of oppression. And you know if we get to to get onto another subject, I want to kind of take that further. But Kiki, you had a point. I think that it's important to realize that if you live in the United States or or even visit the United States you are paying taxes at some point you have bought food you have bought clothing you have bought a product and that product is taxed yeah but if you uh, if you visit the United so States you can save all of your receipts is, and get that back when you leave the country so when you're when you're visiting from a foreign country you don't that, actually have to pay taxes that's true, but a lot of people don't do that, honestly. I, I mean, um, I, I don't, I they, don't know if we can support that one way or another. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have no idea what most people who are visiting the United right. States do. <laughs> yeah, but the the point is, is that when they're doing these fifty three percent stuff, what they're saying is we're mad that that these people don't pay more than the taxes that everybody kind of has to pay at minimum. Yeah, and I don't, I don't really want to get into into taxation right now. I mean, I, I'm personally against income tax as it is. You I'm know, against as on having income tax and sales tax. I think right. the double up is a problem. Right. Uh, but I do think that, that might be for another episode. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, you know, I'm reading a, a fan, fantastic book uh, right now. It's a it's a short book that Kevin. I don't know if you got a chance to to look through it too you much. You never sent I, it to me. I, I emailed it to you today. Um, I've been at work all day. <laughs> well, I came home and then came here. Anyways, uh, the title of the book is the uh, the Wage Slaves uh, Glossary, and uh, it kind of it gets at a, a related idea, which is is that in, in addition, and, and you mentioned this, Kiki, as one of the things that that people are are bringing up in Occupy Wall Street, um, just the fact that that we don't really have a living wage as as the standard in this country that that it's a minimum wage which according to a lot of folks and and statistically does not let you do much more than subsist 
as an individual. You know, really not enough to, you know, the minimum wage in the United States is not enough to support a family on. Um, it's really only enough to support an individual on. And uh, the, the whole book is, is kind of, uh, I don't know if I would describe it as neo-Marxist, but it's, it's sort of, the, the intent of the book is to kind of show the absurdity of how um, work and, and employment as an institution has become kind of perverted in the country. And, and, and sort of the, the, um, the BS, if you will, that we go through that kind of keeps everyone uh, thinking that work itself and employment and specific kinds of employment are beneficial to themselves or simply tolerable. Um, so he goes through and, and talks about, you know, the, uh, the workplace bullshit <laughs> that we all go through. Uh, things like, you know, the employee of the month practice, you know, climbing the corporate ladder, you know, all the, all the jargon and slang that, that was satirized in, uh, in office space, for instance. And it, it's really kind of got me thinking about just, just the whole idea of, of wages and work in general and, and how we've kind of come to just expect that everyone should have a job, and if you don't have a job, well, then you're a bum and you need to get a job. Um, I think part of what, what the, the Occupy Wall Street people are, are bringing up here is, hey, you know, we've been kind of screwed over by the government, by our educational institutions, who, you know, we have paid a lot of money to well, yeah. and in return gotten very little. And, and currently, <laughs> you know? the, and that's one thing that, going into that, of, of education and student loans, mm-hmm. um, and you can do more research. I encourage you to do more research on it. I've, I've started doing it far too late in life um, and learning that the student loan organization is a government-run racket of debt. Yeah. Um, and there's <laughs> multiple essays, and I'm sure a few books out there, about how it's all put together um, in that it's, it is the only debt that you cannot get out of ever. Right. Um, and that's only the beginning of it. But the government... Is making money off of it. There, it's a it's run for profit. Yeah, um, which is problematic in and of itself. But and and that sort of thing. And that's you know one of the things I can get behind is this sort of this idea of of the government running for money um, and not being run for people. Yeah, because I'm not a huge fan of government. We've known this for a long time. Oh yeah. <laughs> but if we are going to have a government, it ought to be working for the people rather than for the people in the government. So, so let's, let's kind of take the second half of the show here and talk potential solutions. Um, Kevin, you teased it a little bit before the, uh, before the episode that you had kind of an idea for how, how government should be run. Um, so I, do, I do not have an idea for how government should be run. That's, okay. that's a mistake. I have an idea for how elections, how should, elections be run. should be run. Okay, let's, um, let's hear it. Let's, and let's it is, it it is not a perfect plan. I'll, I'll state that up front. I'll be humble about it. Well, we might we might as well know. But it's a radical plan. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's not perfect, but it's radical. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody who wants to run for any public office may do so. The way it is done is you submit a one thousand approximately. I'm I'm we're, I'm variable on these. Mm-hmm. Word essay about what you would do in the given position. Okay. So you say, as president, this is what I would do. This is how I feel. And really, you can put anything you want in. I don't really care what you put. Only in. a thousand words, though. I'm I'm flexible on the words, but a thousand words. <laughs> again, this is I'm, I want I want plain for text. A, I don't want legalese. Three pages, double spaced. Three pages, double spaced, twelve point font. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
But there is a limit to it. You know, there's, right. there's going to be a capped limit to it. Mm-hmm. Um, in relatively plain English. Um, and that is all that we see of any candidate. Oh, is there essay? Is there essay? And so you get to vote and you, you are given, provided with all of the essays, either through the internet or if you want to have them hard copied mailed to you, mm-hmm. that can be done. Um, and so this, this is why I want them short. This uh-huh. is why I want them short. I want them easily accessible for lots of people. And so you go in and you say, okay, candidate XYZ, you know, serial number, no names, no demographic information. Um, and you vote for that essay that you want for a given position. Uh-huh. Um, at that point, the winner with the most votes, straight democratic election, that thousand-word essay becomes a binding legal contract. <laughs> so when they say, I'm going to do X... If they do not... They must during their term. If not, They what? will be sued by the, anybody. Mm-hmm. Absolutely anybody. None of this tort protection, mm-hmm. because this is a binding legal contract with the citizens of the United States. Okay. And so every single citizen of the United States is now able to sue them for breaking that contract. <laughs> Not all of them will. Most of them won't. Okay. But the ones who want to, who can, will do so. Hmm. Um, and what comes out of that will not be perfect. I don't even know if it'll be better than what we have. But it'll be a way to deal with a lot of problems I see in that there's no campaigning. There is no the richest person gets to buy the election. There, there's none of that. It is based solely on issues and activities, and you have to be held to that. So I, I can already see some problems, and, and, and our, our chat room has come up with a couple. Um, <laughs> for one thing, uh, TLDR. <laughs> That's a lot of essays to read. Um, for anyone, I mean, for, especially for a nation to, to you know, because what you would end up having is, you know, commentators, news organizations would, would employ teams of interns to read all the essays and collectively come up with the best ones and then those get advertised and then those get... No, you can't advertise them. Well, there's no those, advertising. You can discuss them. Not advertised by, no the individual, by the individual no, people. Nobody can but, advertise any of them. You cannot campaign for these. You can't campaign for this position paper. How do you prevent that? If you make them public available... We have, we have the laws about that. Stephen Colbert couldn't run for president because he worked for a news organization, and that's a conflict of interest. Right, but let's say... We, we have laws about that. Okay. Those laws exist. But we in, have maximum campaign contributions. Those laws exist. But in, in an age of, of you know, connected, instantaneous communication, um, how do you keep a given, uh, a given essay from becoming a meme because of some arbitrary piece of it, and then everybody votes because they think it's funny or because it becomes popular. You know, how do you keep it from getting retweeted and reblogged? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to do that. But again, those cannot be controlled. Those no. items cannot be manipulated by money. If anyone in Occupy Wall Street is going to say anything, and I'm speaking for everybody, which is always a bad idea, Yeah. but a big part of the Occupy Wall Street, as I've seen it, is the issue of buying the control of the government. Okay. That cannot be done in this system. I'm all behind that. Now, second, it it kind of presupposes that your your writing audience is literate. (laughs) All right. So you, you block off the people who are illiterate, and you block off the people who can't write. So... You know, you have a couple of, of um, you know, biases right there. 
um, that would, for instance, prevent you know an, an inner city uh, person who maybe cannot write as eloquently as um, you know someone who's brought up in in a you know private education environment from being able to express what may be incredibly salient ideas. You know, from from getting elected mm-hmm. because it's if they are those can't people running now. Those ideas, well, <laughs> are those people have do those people have any chance of winning an election now? No, not at all. I mean, so so you think you're so saying that I, some chance is better than no chance? I'm saying I'm making a better system. Yeah. Again, it's not perfect. I also have a backup system, um, oh, oh, which is okay. which is nothing like the former the first system. Yeah. Um, because it's always good to have a backup plan. Mm-hmm. The backup system is we institute a draft for every political office. Ooh, so you just pick a a random set of the people to run for? Well, no, it's it's same no, same term limit. You know, it's, it's like term limits. You have if you're in the Senate, you get a six year term. If you're in the House, you get a two year term. Yeah. President, you get four year term, and all the other ones. But how does the draft part of that work? We pick random people. We look for a random sampling, a random representation of the United States. The United States to govern <laughs> to be the, the United States to be a representative mm. sample. You'd have a lot of things change very quickly. You'd have a lot of things not happening. I'm in favor of a lot of things not happening in the government. Um, I like I like uh, P. Thimble's comment from the chat room. I would totally refuse to vote for someone's essay that mixed up your and your. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> bound to happen. Totally. Um, uh, but again, the, these are these systems that you can't campaign. You can't become a governing person. You are picked at random to do it. And nobody wants to do it. But it becomes a civic duty. Yeah, I, you know, and, and that, that was, I think, the whole idea between, behind the representative system in the first place is yes. you, have, you have communities decide who best represents them and mm-hmm. then they send that person up to Congress. Uh-huh. Now, That's that, not what happens. It doesn't happen anymore like that, obviously. Well, it's never happened like that. The entire history of the U.S. government <laughs> has been run by rich, white, Protestant men. Yeah, yeah. Old, rich, white, Protestant men. Pretty much. Forever. <laughs> it is that has never been a representative sample mm-hmm. of the United States. <laughs> disproportionately, uh, disproportionately Protestant, disproportionately high income, disproportionately lawyers, uh, doctors. You it know. has never been a representative yeah. sample yeah. of the United States. Period. And, and you know, I, I love the idea of of more of a distributed governance. I, I just yes, you know, landowners. Pete Thimble pointed that out. Land, yeah, rich, rich, white, Protestant landowners. Yeah, old, old, rich, white, old Protestant landowners. Can we create a, a handy acronym for that? The government. Rich, white, old Protestant landowners. Um, I'm sure we warps. could. <laughs> warps. warps. Um, I've got to type this out to get he's, it. He's going to make keep it thinking. out. Um, um, White, old, right, rich, old, rich, landowning Protestants. Protestants. Worlps. 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 <laughs> there we go. Yeah, shorthand for all that 1%. The <laughs> 1%. It's actually closer to 3%. Um, I saw a demographic breakdown for the people in Congress are, who are rich, white, old, um, Harvard, edu- you know, higher educated. Oh, don't maybe um, add an H to that. <laughs> put it after the W. Worlds. Um, higher educated. You know, all those are things. Harvard it, educated. It basically old, comes rich, down to about three percent of the government of of the population who fit that demographic. Right. <laughs> and they are how much of our government? 70, 80, 90 percent. <laughs> you know, uh, we're breaking those barriers a little bit, yeah. but we have you know. Um, 17 
female Congress people, something like that, maybe 37. Something um, like that, yeah. And the numbers aren't going up. They're staying at about that level. We've, and that's we, just looking at women versus men. So we need an M in there, too, is what you're saying. So we need more vowels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, men. They are also men. Yeah. Uh, rich, higher educated. Well, you can use H-E, higher educated. That gives you an E. Oh, that gives me an E. But, um, but that's an eight, so... Well, you can. You have to rearrange things, but you have that 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 he is now a warm elps. Warm elps. Warm elps. Yeah. Thank you, Kiki. Warm elps. You lost your R. Warm elps. Yeah. Yeah. White. Higher. Oh wait. What? Where? Warm elps. Well, no. You just um, warm elps. No, you drop the H and you put it in front of the E. Oh, do I? Yeah, W O R M H E L P S. Well, the H is silent. W O R M M H E H E L P S. Worm helps. Worm helps. Worm helps. <laughs> <laughs> we did it. Oh, God. That's not. <laughs> I, I like. We've got a name for the episode. <laughs> no, I like. But I like Hormelps because it, it has whore in there par- partially. Yeah, but this one has worm in it. Worm helps. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, okay, so Kathleen brings up another good point. Redistribution of wealth. I don't know if we've talked about this in philosophy before, but this is another thing that a lot of people in the Occupy Wall Street are asking for. They so they have big student loan debt, right? Mm-hmm. One of the things they're asking is that the bankers just forgive that debt. I mean, just outright say you're good. You don't need to pay us. And you know, while while that maybe you know, while that may help them right now. What kind of a precedent does that set? Okay, say you say that person then gives money to somebody else. You're saying that okay, well the bankers forgave you your debt. That means I don't have to pay you back, mm-hmm. sucker. You know, I, I, it's it's again it's it's, people, it's a people solution that doesn't work long term, right? But okay, philanthropy is a different thing. That's okay. That's people who realize that they are in very well off conditions going. I choose to give a little bit of my money. Warren Buffett, Bill Gates. <laughs> yeah. The, so. And Melinda. we got to leave Melinda in there, because <laughs> sure. she does a lot, too. But, but, you know, I choose to give my money out. Now, once you start telling them that they have to, that's when it becomes a problem. That's when it becomes an ethical issue where, you, where that's when it basically does become socialism or, or communism, yes. in a sense. You know, where, where you're saying, no, you're, you know, what you have acquired, no matter how you acquired it, you know, we're not judging whether you ethically acquired it or not. What you have acquired is... By definition, uh, property of the people <laughs> in general, and that that you cannot keep a given percentage of it. Um, okay, so I've got a thing. Yeah, go for it, Kiki. And you're not gonna like it because it's it's about the T word. Terrorism. But I Thomas think the Tank the, Engine. The, the problem here. Tulips. Is and you're talking about philanthropy, and that's great. But I think that the what the, the movement in general is trying to say is that there are certain things that should be a right just by default of you being a human born in this country. Or a human in general, but, you know, we live in a cool country. Sometimes. <laughs> and that is, you should be able to go to a doctor whenever you need one. You <sighs> should be able to go to a college as long as you make the grades and work hard. 
But who pays for that? And you should be and you should be able to expect a wage from your employer that will allow you to buy food and shelter and transportation to and from your job just from what you make from from your employer. Mm. So Kevin's mom has a good and point. The that kind problem of goes... is, is that two of those things are best solved by being government-run programs funded by taxes. Um, yeah. And, that's, and, that's, and, that's just it. And Kevin's mom brings up a good point here. You know, we, we all benefit from police, roads, etc. We don't all benefit from bailouts. You know, so there, there are certain things that the government is doing that are more directly beneficial to the population and, and you know, certain ways that they're spending our tax dollars that, that come directly back to us. And then there are ways that, that they're telling us will eventually help us and come back to us but are not being directly paid for services that we see. And the bailouts are a great example of that. Um, I don't know if you remember, Kevin. I guess you, you might have already been gone, but... Um, well, no, fall 2008, you were still at Texas Tech, right? Barely. Barely, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't. I don't remember what year I graduated. Yeah, it was fall 2008 slash spring, I think, that I... I think I, I was there. I started up the... Um, I started up a, a kind of a more public lunch discussion um, on the Texas Tech campus that, that had a, a nice run of about four or five weeks <laughs> um, where we... Uh, where we had, you know, people from all over the university coming together to discuss the topics of the time. And this was, you know, right after the, the huge um, economic collapse and right when bailouts were, you know, bailouts, golden parachutes, too big to fail, that was all in the conversation. And the, the sentiment of, uh, among people at the time was, was one of, of kind of fear more than anything. of just like, what does this mean for us? What, what's going to happen after this? Is everything going to collapse? And, and there was a lot of discussion over whether gov- the government bailouts were the right way to go about it. And, and I remember there were people who were, even at that time, adamantly on the side of this is the wrong choice to make. I mean, granted, this was right after Obama had been elected. Mm-hmm. This was the first major issue that, that he came up against or that he would come up against was in you know, spring, I guess, 2009. He was dealing with the question of how do we deal with this financial crisis and his answer was was bailouts, and and a lot of people were like, well, no, we need it, the, the same way that that you cannot let that uh, you know Occupy Wall Street protester uh, just walk away from his student loans. You cannot let a large bank that has engaged in unethical, unethical but not necessary illegal, not necessarily illegal practices that have taken a lot of money from a significant portion of the American population. You cannot let them walk away from that. Well, it's, so, it's more than that. It's that it's that they lost a lot of money. Right. You know, these companies made bad investments. Mm-hmm. They they let people who could not afford to buy houses buy houses and that didn't work. The people couldn't pay them. And here's the thing. They didn't I think a let lot of them. No, I, I I really love this point. I think they a lot of students them. made bad investments too. In my opinion, a student loan is a bad investment. And nobody told them that they couldn't make that investment. Nobody told the banks that they couldn't make that investment. So it was a lack of regulation or a lack of guidance that led to the problem. Now, I'm not saying, I, I am not advocating for overregulation of the financial sector, but I'm saying that there are consequences to every action. And that, and that all we're, 
And, and I think one of the deep frustrations of the Occupy Wall Street protesters is there is a lack of consistency in the way a government approaches these problems. When it's a bank, they're too big to fail. When it's an individual, it's their own fault. Yeah. Right? No, I think so, the bank so, should have failed. I think all of the things should have failed. I completely and, agree. And I think it would have been bad, but I don't know that it would have been worse. No, I don't, I don't think it would have either, because then you would have had, I, I, I think you would have seen a major rise in the popularity of credit unions, of, you know, not-for-profit we're starting to see a little bit now, I yeah. mean, but this is three years later, and we're just now starting to see right. it. Right. You know, I think you, you would have seen a, a, a great resurgence in, in just alternative banking and, and, you know, decentralized currencies, possibly. You know, Bitcoin might have taken off way before it, it, it did now. and It hasn't taken off. Sunk in way before it did now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we would have seen the, the spike and decline in Bitcoin. You keep harping on that, Stephen. No, <laughs> we need to have a follow-up episode on Bitcoin. and, and uh, I, It you failed! Know, episode thing, over. It failed. Um, although, you know, I, mean, <laughs> I asked Daryl Dwayne if he wanted to come on for this episode. He didn't respond. But, um, <laughs> I, you know, I don't think because I didn't tell him we were going to be talking about Bitcoin. But I kind of just want to hear his, his opinion on it all right now. Um, okay, so from from the chat room, a few other appointments, or a few a few other appointments, yes. a few other opinions. Uh, it wasn't just bailouts. This is coming from P. Thimble. It wasn't just bailouts. It was bailouts with a false promise of regulation as the sugar to make the poison go down. Bingo. Uh, we never got the regulation that was that was promised along with those, and the bailouts ended up going to bonuses for all of these bankers. Yay. So it ended up just going to the same things that hurt us in the first place, Yay. which is the most frustrating and exasperating part of it all, is, is these banks were too big to fail, right? But they didn't spend the money on not failing. <laughs> they just spent the money on... Well, they didn't continue. go bankrupt. I mean, No, they, they reduced the bonuses by a significant portion, but still, it was, it was quite despicable. Um... Kevin, any final thoughts while I pull up the form spring and we roll into the form squeeze here? Um, I just want to say that I think having, and I know we weren't going to talk about taxes, but I'm going to say it anyway. Okay. Um, having a sales tax and an income tax hurts poor people a lot more than it hurts rich people. Um, because someone without a lot of money is going to spend almost all of their money. Mm-hmm. So they're paying taxes on all of their money when they spend it. Yeah. They're also paying money on all their money when they get it in. And yes, a lot of people are under the tax bracket and they don't. They don't. They end up not paying income tax. But the idea is that they all pay it. Mm-hmm. Whereas rich people spend a much smaller percentage of their money. They spend a lot of money, but they spend a much smaller percentage of it. Correct. And so they're not getting taxed on all of that money that goes unspent. Yeah, it's. I think it's that is a fundamental misunderstanding of of the way that um, prices increase as a function of of income or proportional to income. Um, I believe that you know, as, so as as prices increase for for certain goods, it becomes it's a it's like a diminishing exponential. Like you, or you, it's not constant, basically. So you know, as you get uh, richer and richer and richer, the things that you buy do not increase proportionally. Yes, as a percentage in, of your income. In price, as a percentage of your income. Yes, precisely. Um, so you know, a a yacht is expensive, super expensive, but you know, you you can you know, it's a smaller portion of your income than, than buying a, a car, than is. buying and a three year, also... you know, thirty year old used car for a thousand dollars. Right. If if you only make you know fifteen or twenty thousand yeah. dollars a year, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so uh, you know there this if if, if we can sum it, sum it up at all, um, 
you know, the Occupy Wall Street protests have gotten us talking about these different issues again. You know, it's not just the same old, we're talking about health care and about the deficit, etc. And, and this is, it's good, you know, for us to talk about these things again, but it would be better if we talk about them in the context of, well, what are potential solutions that we can possibly implement? Yeah. And that's not what the Occupy Wall Street protests are talking about. It's, they're talking about the problems, not the solutions, and we need to be talking about potential solutions. So I think we've proposed at least one of those here on the show today, um, perhaps two. Um, one, tried. get everybody to write essays to get elected into public office. You heard it here first on that's, that yeah, that's, that's election reform. The, election the, the, reform. The, the, the political reform is the draft. Yeah, political reform being draft. And third, let the banks fail. There's no such thing as too big to fail. Let everybody fail. Not a new idea. If, if we want to be capitalists, yeah. let the capitalist system work. Precisely. And that means if your business goes out of business because you did it badly, yeah. you get to go out of business. The, the whole concept of too big to fail is, is completely anti-capitalist. Yes, it is. And I, Which and is why what, I hate Michael Moore's, the name of his movie called Capitalism, A Love Story, oh. because he's not talking about capitalism. He's talking about some other thing, because oh. it was all about the bailouts and all this sort of oh. stuff, and how, you know, that was capitalism that we put, we bailed out the banks, and I'm like, no, it's not. Not really. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Minor it's Michael Moore squiggle for a day. Which, um, by the way, he's just creaming himself down there in the, the Occupy oh, yeah, Wall Street protest. He, he likes he, them. He just, although I just got a mental image in that. I, uh, okay, we need to move on before I think about that too much. Um, okay, so we've got some interesting, an interesting series of form screen questions, all starting with BF, comma. <laughs> so they, they were I addressing think one person did it, yeah. By name. Um, definitely you gotta, we have to answer the question of the day. What? Do we, we have, have to? to? Yes. <sighs> All right. That's fine. why I added it to the profile. All right. It's time for the form squeeze here on Bad Philosophy. Uh, first question. What's something nice a friend has done for you? Stephen bought me beer today. Aw. You're welcome, Kevin. Thanks, Stephen. Um, Stephen has no friends. I need to think about this. I'll come <laughs> back. <laughs> I'll come back. To Actually, you know, I'll keep, I'll keep it here in the, in the family. Uh, Kevin... Um, came over and did the show and brought his laptop this time. So that's, that, was, that was a nice thing. Um, and he's coming to the sci-fi meetup, which I'm very excited about. Uh, there's an Austin sci-fi meetup, by the way, that meets every two weeks here in town. Uh, if you're in the Austin area, you should definitely come to it. Um, it's a whole lot of fun. And if you have one in your area, you should definitely go to it. Um, so we've got a few different questions here, all by the same person. Um, this first one I'm going to throw at you, Kiki. Uh, why do people sing in the shower? Better acoustics. <laughs> All right. That's what I would have said. Nice and simple. Better acoustics. Make sure you send, them out, send these out on Twitter as you go. Should I? Oh. That's what I always did when I was answering them. I always click the little Twitter box. Episode 105. So let's say Twitter. No. Cool. Because right. then they go out on Twitter and so people can see that we're still using it, which means they're more likely to ask us questions. Mm. Your next one, Kevin. Am I picking one, or are you going to ask me one? Oh, well, I guess I'll ask you one. Um, I mean, ask Kiki one. That's why I asked. What, uh, would each of you guys name your kind of ideal man slash woman? So um, I'm going to take this question as, would you name your, your ideal woman. kind of man woman? <laughs> woman is my choice of those two. My ideal oh. would be woman over man. My, my ideal would also be woman um, with 
the one manly quality of having a slightly deeper voice. For some reason, that just gets me every time. So. Okay, well, okay, I don't have time for this that you oh, just said. Oh, okay, I'm but, sorry. But that's not necessarily, that's, that's, an, that's you putting a definition of what manly is. Women have deep voices, women have high voices, men have deep voices, men have high voices. One of those is not masculine but or feminine. Those are constructs that you were applying to this idea. More, more. You like men, women with low voices. That's more not a men ma- that's, have deep voices than women have deep voices. That so doesn't make it masculine the, or feminine. Okay. Because we're, we're well, it makes being it, tall isn't masculine, but there are more tall men. Being short isn't feminine. There are shorter women. So what is it? What is a feminine trait then? There's no such thing. <laughs> oh, Kevin. That's my point. Oh boy. They're constructed. Are we are we going post-genderist on on, it's on not, the show here? It's or? not post-genderist. It's post-structuralist. Gender is a construction. Okay. I'm just pointing that out to you, because when you say that that's a mannish quality, that's a constructed statement. That's a constructed <sighs> idea. It's okay to like a woman with a deep voice. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> it is. Well, thank you, Kevin. I, uh, I mean, I was, it is. That's, it takes all kinds. I, I, I'm um, glad that I have your, your approval. You know, I'm in favor of that. Yeah. I'm in favor of widening our scopes of what these ideas are. But saying that's a mannish quality <laughs> is doing a disservice to everybody. Oh, okay. Sorry, I can't. I'm a feminist now. I can't let these things out. All right. Um... <laughs> <laughs> you see my mother's comment. That, Remember that Kevin lives with a PhD student who studies the feminist stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, and there are screaming kids outside. Hope nothing's going wrong. Um, okay. I don't even know how we're going to answer that one, but Kevin, why don't you pick the next question here? Um, we talked about the July person hot. Yeah, we did, and, we, uh, we did that one. That was in the backwards episode. Yeah, episode 103. Um, okay, here's one. I've had a crush on you for a while, but I couldn't admit it public. I even tattooed your name on my ass and posted here. Sign up and search my username. In love with bad philosophy, and guess who I am? <laughs> uh, we've talked about this one before, haven't we? Have right? we? I don't remember um, having talked about this one. I feel one. like we have. I've stared at it before. It's been on here for seven months. Guess who I am? I'm going to guess who is crazy enough to put a tattoo of us on their ass. You? Uh, I know who it is. Yeah? I guess you are a mental patient. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) We'll, We'll go with that. You are a mental patient. Answered by Kiki in episode 105. All right, we have time for one more. Kiki's choice. Oh, she can't see I them. I can't see them. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll have her answer. Pick a one. number. Um, I like this one. I am just a disembodied voice to me. Well, let, let's, uh, let's bring it right back to you then for the last question, Kiki. Uh, BF slash Kiki. Is there a separate people heaven and animal heaven, or is it combined into one? It is, in fact, combined into one. Unfortunately oh. for this poster, that one doesn't exist. <laughs> okay. Uh, it is, in fact, combined into one. But Kiki says it doesn't exist. <laughs> but unfortunately, it does not exist. According to Kiki. Others have differing opinions. 
You didn't ask me what other people thought about it. No, we didn't. I asked you what you thought about it. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) All right. Well, I think we've come to just about the closest thing to a conclusion it is possible to come to. Um, I really do want to talk a little bit more about um, the idea of a a living wage and and kind of the pros and cons of that because... Kathleen brought up a good point that it, that it may or may not um, increase unemployment. Yeah. So uh, maybe we can, do, we can do part there. two next week, uh, barring us coming up with any better ideas, um, <laughs> which is unlikely. Uh, I, so, Kiki, um, we, we really appreciate you joining. As, as soft as your voice was maybe on the, uh, the live stream, uh, we could hear you all right, and I think everybody else on the stream could. Um, Kevin... Uh, Thanks for coming over again, drinking the beer, having a good time. We're going we're gonna to go watch some bad sci-fi and, and riff it in real time, which should be a lot of fun. Uh, and, uh, you know, thank you all, all in the, uh, the live stream for, uh, for joining for this episode. I think at most we had maybe nine or ten uh, total viewers. <coughs> yeah, we were getting up there. Yeah, some you, of them I actually recognized in the chat room. Yes, uh, sneezed. Yeah, another and, one might be coming. And so all the uh, all the old fans: your mom, Kathleen, uh, P. Thimble, uh, but one new one new and, face. Well, Aunt Music's been around. Um, Aunt Music has been around. I've oh. gotten tweets from Aunt Music before. Right, um, it's Music Freak on Twitter or something. Yeah, yeah, something I've, like I've that. seen tweets. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we, we appreciate y'all all joining live. And uh, I think if we can make this work, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be Thursday evenings from now on. Um, it's, it seems to, to correspond nicely with the rest of our schedules. And uh, if y'all can make it on, on a regular basis, we would really love to, to have you in the chat room because your input makes us better in a lot of ways. So thank you all for listening. Uh, go occupy something if you feel like it. Um, I'm going to go occupy another beer. <laughs> that sounds like a great idea. Um, but we will occupy, as always, our Twitter accounts, uh, twitter.com slash badphilosophy. You can find Kevin at twitter.com slash kevsond, me at twitter.com slash s-t-o-r-r-e-n-c-e, and Kiki, of course, at twitter.com slash voice of Kiki. We'll see y'all next week at livestream.com slash badphilosophy. We'll see y'all next week. Have a good one. So I just changed the audio source and it froze. Lovely. Yeah, it's like Yeah. I think we just found our in show sandwich. <laughs> yeah. Bad philosophy.com.